energy is everything. Insightful interview with Simon Alexander Ong, author of Energized. Join award-winning life coach Simon Alexander Ong as he start, shares his insights from his best-selling book, Energize. He delves into the art of science and energy management, showing how well-managed energy can fuel your success. Simon talks about recognizing your most energized state, understanding when to push forward and when to rest, and how to work sustainably towards your goals. He provides practical tips on identifying and maximizing your most productive times of the day, week, and year. Learn how to set boundaries, devote your energy effectively, and select the right people to invest your energy in. With simple daily practices, Simon guides to rejuvenate and maintain your energy levels, ensuring readiness for any challenge. Discover what you can achieve when fully energized. Tune into this inspiring conversation and kickstart your energy transformation today. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. I'm so excited to share a little bit more with you about our guest today. Simon Alexander Ong is a personal development entrepreneur, coach, and public speaker. His work has invited him to Sky News, BBC Radio London, and LBC Radio to be interviewed. At the same time, in 2018, Barclays UK featured him in a nationwide campaign asking him questions on how families could embrace better lifestyle habits. His insights have also been featured in HuffPost, Forbes, Virgin, and The Guardian. Simon regularly speaks at organizations and keynote public events and conferences. These include the Peter Jones Foundation, the World Business and Executive Coach Summit, and the LSE. 
I'm so pleased to welcome to our stage today, Mr. Simon Alexander. Welcome. April, thank you so much for having me on your show. My pleasure. It definitely is all mine. I have dived into your book a bit, and I think it's absolutely incredible. I get to hear so many things about all of the ideas that you're presenting to the world around energy. So I'm super excited to dive into this conversation. Let's get started with telling the audience a little bit more about you. Mm. So I was born here in the United Kingdom to two Malaysian Chinese parents who had come to the UK in the pursuit of a better life. I grew up in the southeast of England. I was very much a minority and I moved to London when I started university. And up until that point, life was fairly linear. Get good grades, get to a good college and secure a good job upon graduation. And so I started in the financial services industry at what was probably the worst time in the middle of 2007, a year before the global financial crisis at a company called Lehman Brothers, which collapsed 14 months after I joined. That began a very volatile career in which I was in and out of jobs for nearly 10 years. However, at the same time, it started the journey to what I now get to do today. I began asking myself, questions such as what did success mean to me and what sort of impact did I want to have in the world and once I started brainstorming my answers to those questions I realized that my greatest challenge would be building a career and life around those answers and so that eventually led me to what I now get to do today which is to coach those in positions of leadership Michelin star chefs entrepreneurs c-level executives and community leaders to speak at organizations and conferences around the world sharing some of my messages of hope, inspiration, and empowerment. And in 2020, to secure a book deal with Penguin to write my first book, Energize, showing readers how when they transform their energy, they can transform their life and career. I just absolutely love that because it's it's this journey that you have embarked on stemmed from difficult times. And I think that there's so much to be said around that. And when we experience hardship or things where we feel like we're, we're stuck and we're not really mm -hmm. moving forward, we start to question why over and over and over and, and understand what it is that's working and what it is that's not. And so I, I appreciate that you have that you show up the way that you do now and going traveling around the world and speaking on stages and teaching people the lessons that you have learned. What I appreciated a lot about your book is that you bring in many stories from different people and different people's backgrounds and hardships. And you even go into stories uh, that are more uh, the, the folktale traditional to, to bring up the lessons that are learned. And when we start to talk about energy, it's like it it's it's this ebb and flow and there it, it doesn't really ever go away you can neither create it nor destroy it right so we know that on a scientific level and that is what we have proven to show and so when we talk about that that energy can no can neither be uh, destroyed or created what does that mean for you and when did you first really discover 
and understand that concept? I, I think for me, the moment I realized how important energy was and how I had to be more conscious as to how I dealt with it and how I channeled it was an experience in my, in my second job. So when Lehman Brothers collapsed, I had an opportunity to move to another company. It was a hedge fund in the city of London. And on paper, it sounded a very glamorous role. I was to be a junior trader in a hedge fund and I would be supporting some of the senior portfolio managers. However, the reality was anything but. I was getting my, my manager's lunches, I was doing the photocopying, I was doing a lot of the administrative tasks. Career progression was non-existent and the culture was, was very toxic. Mm. And so there was this point, uh, a, a, a scenario I share in the first chapter of the book where I remember going to some client entertainment at the end of one year. And I texted my girlfriend at the time, I said to her, I'm gonna take the last train home. So I should be back early-ish in, in the morning. So, so don't wait up for me, but I should be back uh, early in the morning. I then proceeded to go down these stairs into a nightclub that was underground. I checked in my bag. I uh, kept my uh, valuables with me. But once the entertainment started and the drink started flowing, I lost all perception of time. Hmm. I somehow stumbled outside of the club early morning, completely missing the trains and had to hail a taxi to take me home. And I didn't want to face my girlfriend with what had happened. I didn't want her to worry. But I knew I had no choice. I tried to escape the conversation by going into the bathroom and trying badly to, to sleep in the bathtub before she came next to me and wanted to understand what happened. I was in no state to talk about it. I, I tried to brush her off by simply saying, I'm fine. But the reality was, was far from that. When I sobered up over the next day or so, we, we had a good conversation where I was able to share with her how I, how I felt completely exhausted. I felt lost in terms of my direction in life. I had this, I had this hope that if I started a career in finance, I would be able to build this successful career because I grew up with this understanding that success was about the money you earn and the job you had. And if you worked in an industry where your parents could shout proudly about the industry you're in, then that would be successful. But this was before the crisis happened. Now being in a job that was just draining me of any energy I had, I had to reevaluate those thoughts and beliefs that I had. And the first place it began was really addressing my physical energy. I realized that I had for so many years sacrificed my sleep, survived on junk food, unhealthy, highly processed foods, and didn't really take regular exercise. And this all was compounding to this point where I was standing to lose everything. And so the journey from that point to seeing what it's like to wake up each day with energy, to know how to channel that energy, and to understand that when you do the things that energize you, you actually get more energy, was profound in taking me on a completely different path. But it started with my physical energy. I quickly realized that without your health, you can't do much else. You know, to the healthy, they have lots of hopes, wishes, and dreams, but to the sick, they have only one. And so it was important for me 
to stop making my health a side hustle so that I could transfer the lack of energy from a job that was exhausting me mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to something that could allow me to blossom. Simon, it sounds to me like this was your rock bottom. Mm. Is that Does that sound like maybe it was where it was really this profound moment in time where you realized something needs to change? And I would love to to journey back a little bit too and and talk about your relationship with your parents and mm. the upbringing and how you have you've talked a little bit about what you felt you needed to show up as mm. in the world. You grew up with this idea that money uh, status, these are all what success is mm. and symbolizes and what we need to do in order to obtain that and, and push and push and push. Mm. Right. And, and really it just, it takes the energy from us when mm. we strive so, uh, desperately to meet a certain standard or goals in order to, to feel like, you you are accepted in the family within society with that status quo would you like to share a little bit more about that there was there was certainly a lot of pressure um growing up in the house that i was in um but i also don't want to focus purely on the negative because i think while there was pressure to perform and pressure to satisfy certain definitions of success and happiness on the other side one of the benefits that i learned from my parents was the trade of working hard mm. the idea that if you want to go far in life you've got to work hard at something i just didn't know what that was and so i ended up following their definition it wasn't until i was away from their influence that i realized that the greatest journey we as humans take are the inches from our heads to our hearts never mm -hmm. an easy journey but the most important and fulfilling that you will ever embark on and that journey is all about understanding what success means to you how will you know that you are living a fulfilling life because once we have clarity on that it awakens one of the greatest sources of energy that there is going and this pressure really affected me it affected me because when I got to the second year of university, I failed that year. Now, when I say I failed that year, I got an F in three out of the four exams I sat. And I remember one summer when I was logging onto the internet to check my results, I was upstairs in my uncle's house and downstairs was my dad and the rest of the family. They had champagne in a bucket of ice waiting to celebrate what they expected to be stellar results. And having just looked on the website of my university and seen that I had failed three of the four exams, mm. I, I didn't know what I was going to do when I walked down those stairs. And I just started sweating because I was thinking, well, how do I, how do I tell them that I failed a year and I'm going to have to reset yeah. a year at university? I mean, there was this feeling of shame that, that swept through my body. Like I've let them down. I don't deserve their, you know, their gesture downstairs with the champagne. I don't deserve anything good right now because I've let everyone down. And I was up there for a while 
And when I eventually came down, I didn't need to say a single word because they could tell immediately from my body language that it wasn't good. The result wasn't good. And that pressure really got to me. Um, and I, I felt that shame for, for months mm. uh, about letting them down. And I wanted to prove to them that I wasn't a lost cause. So that really impacted me. I mean, from, from growing up, it was different because you've always got the shadow of them driving you and pushing you forward. And so you perform. But when I was away from that, when I was away from home at university on my own, it just fell apart. It, it, it just fell apart. And I think the, the story I shared earlier of that exhaustion at the second company I worked for was almost a culmination of a number of events that yeah. finally woke me up and said, I've got to take responsibility for where I am and where I want to be. So within a short few years, I had not only failed my second year of university and had to resit that year, gone to a company that had a toxic culture and completely burnt out, but also lost my mum at the age of 17 to an unexpected accident. So all of these events happened within a very short space of time. And that experience of burning out was almost the final straw. And it made me step up and take responsibility for the direction of life I wanted to take. And I think it was almost a sign from the universe that you've got to change course. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's going to be a very, very unfortunate future ahead for you. Yeah. Well, it, it, it sounds too like what I hear a lot of is putting your energy and time into something that really is inspiring to you. Yeah. <laughs> of course, <laughs> many of us know that, right? But, you know, when we talk about listening to our, our bodies and you mentioned a little bit about just sometimes when you go slower, it can actually mm -hmm. propel you to go faster, yeah. right? You get more done, you accomplish more. But a lot of that is in listening to the signs. Like you talked about the signs mm -hmm. of the universe or your intuition, your body, what is happening in uh, and around you to mm -hmm. give you the signals that, that something needs to be changed. Mm, definitely. I mean, I was suppressing those signals for so long. And I think the moment I started listening to that innate wisdom we all have, we all have inside of us. And I trusted the voice more than seeking validation from others. The, the journey that unfolded was, was just magical. Well, let's talk about that. I, I would love to know what are some of the things that you started to to tweak, to change, mm -hmm. and what was the the outcome or the product from that? So when I look back, April, the journey, I think it began with curiosity. You, you know, I was in this industry that was was not fulfilling and this job that burnt me out. So the first thing I had to do was to get out of that situation. So I handed in my resignation. I took some time out of the industry. But of course, all I knew was finance. So I ended up going for a job that had kinder hours. There was mm -hmm. less pressure. Uh, I didn't mind about a career progression because for me, this was a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is it was less pressure, nine to five. So it gave me the evenings and weekends to do a bit of exploration, to figure out what I wanted to do 
um, for the rest of my life. And so the curiosity drove me to read books, go to seminars, uh, listen to audiobooks and podcasts, and just explore the world beyond the world that I knew, this bubble uh, that I was in. And as I did that, I realized that in order to make the progress I wanted, I had to really up-level my environment. So I had to start changing the people I spend time with in order to mm. fix them. And as I did that, I became empowered, inspired, and energized to think bolder and act bolder. Yeah. And oh, sorry. I'm just going to stop you real quick because yeah. because I want to I want to play on that a little bit. <laughs> when we change our our environment, the energy that's around us, the people that I mean, you did exactly that by finding mm -hmm. a different position that gave mm -hmm. you more flexibility with your hours in order to explore. And I and I think mm -hmm. that's great that you talk about that that. I became curious because I think that curiosity is such a, a powerful thing for us as a human being. You know, it, it invites this creativity aspect of us, I believe, too. And yeah. if if we weren't curious about learning more, exploring more, finding out more, then then we don't advance. And it's it's impossible to advance without that aspect. So. Yeah. But so the, there's those two things that you really became curious and you also began to change the the people and the energy that was around you, both, you know, as far as your environment and mm. the people. So so share a little bit about also the, the people and and what were the challenges around that? Were there any challenges for you? Because I think that a lot of people will feel like, that that is very difficult to do. You know, we're so mm. familiar with our day in and day out. We're so familiar with the people that are around us that like, we don't really know where, what is the first step to take in order <laughs> to create that sort of change? So for me, there, there were a couple of steps to this. The first is because I didn't know uh, people, I could just go, hey, do you want to you meet for coffee or do you want to catch up on a regular basis to share the work that we're doing? I started with books. So I started to seek out mentors who wrote books that I could learn from so I could learn from their wisdom. So those were, in effect, mm. my, my, my first mentors. And then what I did after that is I designed my own MBA, which in my book I, I refer to as a mental board of advisors. So I could pick people... Uh, authors of books, uh, public speakers, uh, businessmen and women, uh, successful uh, individuals, and pick a, a subset of them that I could go into my mind and visualize sitting at a table where I could ask for their insights and wisdom. That is brilliant. <laughs> I, I just have to pause for a second because that that is so smart to do that. I, I definitely love to say, you know, of course, many of us have heard it, but we are the sum of the people that we surround mm. ourselves with. And that can include people that you don't know personally, yeah. physically. And that is like you talked about, my first mentors were from the authors of the books mm. that I read. Mm. You, Simon, are now a mentor to thousands and thousands of people worldwide. And that is an incredible thing. So I just wanted to highlight that too, because there is no cap to mm -hmm. self-development and self-growth and expansion. We just have to understand that we can grab that from anywhere. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, for me, uh, 
it was profound because it showed me there was always a different way to look at the challenges, the setbacks, and the hurdles that I faced, and even the dilemmas. And then actually seeing it not from just my point of view, but from other people's point of view allowed me to think differently, allowed me to kind of think of alternative approaches that I may not have considered. And then when it got to the point where I could actually have a physically different environment where the people I could spend time with were successful entrepreneurs and successful leaders, man, the energy in that room, the energy in that room was electric. Uh, I'd gone from books to visualization to now in person uh, with some incredibly inspiring people. I remember going to my first mastermind at the Ritz Hotel in London, and there were there were 10, 10, 10 or 12 of us. And when we did the introductions to each person and the business they were running, I was just not only in awe, but also I was full of imposter syndrome thinking, well, what am I sitting here? Why am I sitting mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Uh, all these incredible individuals but even though i felt that and also the dumbest person in that in that room what it did for me is that it took my goals and it took them from being big to being astronomical yeah i noticed that the habits that i aspired to embrace they were normal for them these habits were were normal for these people to, to embrace and so very quickly those habits became my normal and the impact that had in the weeks and months after was transformational i think that you you offer so many great points here for people to don't be afraid to be in that room definitely because <laughs> like you said uh, your your goals came became or stemmed from big to astronomical because Mm. you're starting to see a a different pictures from what other people are doing and how they have this open mind and bigger pictures and doing all the things. And I want to go back a little bit to how you really envisioned yourself at the table, Mm. having a conversation with people who inspired you and you know, sharing with the audience that we have the the freedom to really allow our minds to go there. And there's there's a lot of um, feedback where people say, you know, ask the question, what would this person do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what would Joe Dispenza do? What would he say? What would Oprah say? You know, we talk about the people that that may inspire us and what would they do and say, or our parents, just anybody who really influences us mm-hmm. and, and setting yourself around a table with many people and then eventually being there physically with them. I can only imagine that would be such an incredible experience and absolutely imposter syndrome setting mm-hmm. in. And you you are continuing to do that, Simon. Do you feel that you are, are you still having that a little bit? Because I mean, you're definitely speaking worldwide and you're getting mm-hmm. in front of, and, and having the discussions. What is that like for you now? It's a lot less so uh, because I guess in the position I'm at today, there's evidence to back up the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay for myself and I'm having the impact I want to have. Whereas at the beginning of my journey, there was no evidence. There, there was nothing mm-hmm. I'd really achieved when I was still making the transition from working for someone to working for myself. But having that conviction that I can make something 
of what I'm working on allows me to go into these rooms now and see myself at that same level, see myself as somebody that can also add value. And so when I had the opportunity just in the last 12 months to connect and have conversations with the likes of Deepak Chopra, Jay Shetty, Stephen Bartlett, and so on, it, it was amazing. I mean, I mean, to be able to see each other at the same level, have a deep conversation, and then to come out of it a wiser person. Mm. Those experiences not just informed me, but took my ideas and gave me other ideas to consider, uh, or even took those ideas and made them even bigger. And that, for me, is the importance of up-leveling our environment. Absolutely. Ah, such powerful stuff, Simon. Thank you so much for sharing. We're going to go into our sponsorship commercial. And then when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more and discuss what are we doing with the energy that we have? How do we bring in our, our most uh, productive selves? Mm. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Jim Morris, founder of Impact Events. This is a six-month program that we're kicking off with a massive one-day conference. Have you ever been to a one-day, two-day, three-day conference and then left with a ton of momentum and excitement and then found yourself deflated almost two weeks later? You spent a lot of money on that conference and you just wish you had an opportunity to potentially ask a speaker that follow-up question that would allow you to break those barriers in your business. I've been there a million times, spent a lot of money, and that's how this event is different. We're gonna bring you back so you can ask additional questions to break down those barriers that you face in your business. So if you're ready to take action, invest in yourself, and change the trajectory of your life and your business, click the button below and grab your ticket before they run out. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. All right, welcome back. So we're going from being informed to going into being transformed, right? Now we have, we, we're starting to do the work. We're curious, we're diving into all of the things of, of how do we learn from others in order to become our best selves. Now let's walk into the, the transformation aspect. We are energetic beings mm -hmm. and we, we definitely know this. And so how do we utilize that energy in the, the most productive way? So 
the way we use it in the most productive way is to understand what matters most. So what I mean by this is a lot of us live our days, our weeks, and our months a bit aimlessly. We, we kind of are stuck in routines that make us busy, uh, that make us go round and round in circles, but not really going anywhere. And we get to the end of the month or we get to the end of the year and we say, wow, where did all that time go? And the things we told ourselves that we were going to do at the beginning of the year, we didn't even start or we didn't follow through with. And that's the experience that so many people face. Mm. Then years or even decades go by before they even start. But to live with intention, to live with purpose, is to understand how to channel your energy in the most productive way. And when I think about energy, I, I see it through four dimensions. So we've got physical energy, mental energy, emotional energy, and spiritual energy. Mm. Physical energy I've touched on already. That's the first thing I addressed uh, when, when I burnt out in, in my second job uh, in finance. Mental energy is about cultivating a resilient mindset. It is your ability to focus in an ocean of distraction and to access your creative energy. Emotional energy is about the relationship you have with yourself and how you connect with others. And spiritual energy is all about meaning and purpose. Mm. So if we are to live with more energy each day, we must address those four dimensions. Once we do, what happens is people start to feel it. When you talk on stage, when you have a conversation with someone, when you just show up doing what you do, people feel the energy that you put into your work. People can feel it. It's like a language that has no words, yet you and I can feel it. Mm -hmm. My actor once said that people may forget what you said and what you did, but they will never forget the way you made them feel. feel. That is the transference of energy. And so once we address those areas in our everyday, what happens is the impact we have starts to scale. Yeah, I think that is a really good way to, I am going back to mentors, mm. but when we start to think about how people make us feel, that's a really great way to find mm. the people that you really want to surround yourself with. And, and that's that energy that I, I feel uplifted. I feel energized because I'm, you know, around this person or I'm listening to this person. You can take it as far as relationships too. You know, oftentimes, you know, you're in a really wonderful, healthy relationship when you, you want to become a better person when you're around that person. They inspire you so that you, you just want to show up to be your best self and, mm -hmm. and vice versa. So when we talk about being around other people and how that energy is transferred, you know, it, it, a smile is contagious, you know, and, and we, when there's that one person that walks into the room and you just sense it, you just know it, you, you know, your eyes weren't on them to begin with, but you know that there's some sort of powerful force that just walked in the room. That's what we're talking about. That is, that is what we call presence somebody has a presence about them and you know when somebody has a presence about them when they show up with the right energy but when they're living in the moment and that ability to live in the present moment is so rare when you look at the world because so many of us are trapped in this notion that we have to be busy to be productive 
And so what happens, which is humorous, but very true for the same time, is that we find extra things to keep us busy to avoid doing the things we know we must do. Mm-hmm. And that just keeps us trapped in this idea of just staying busy for busy sake. But when you meet people who are living in the present moment, who have this presence about them, it is absolutely magnetic. You are drawn to them. You want to spend time in their energy. And I think so many of us like that. It reminds me of something the Dalai Lama said. He said, too many of us experience this tragic scenario of living if we are never going to die and then dying having never really lived. But if we live in the present moment, because that is all we can control, and we show up and give people our attention, because what people want is not our presence, they want that energy. You can be present with your children, but looking at your phone half the time, or you can be present and they have your full attention. That's what we want. And that is also the greatest gift that we can give to others. It is. And... I think that when we we think about the spiritual aspect of ourselves, we are beings that want to serve. And and when you say this is the greatest gift that we can give others, then that is the highest uh, servitude, right? Mm-hmm. And there, what are some of the things that that we could do to start tapping into that recharge? Because it again, it's so easy to be stuck in the rut, the the rat race or what have you, uh, the day to day. What are some of the things? What are some of the advice that you would give to others to to reset? Mm. The first thing to do is to look at your schedule and start blocking out me time. Because what happens is that when you get a meeting invite into your into your email, we're quick to say yes to those meeting invites. We're quick to say yes to those social events or holiday plans. But how quick are we at blocking out me time in our diaries? And the thing is, if you don't block out me time, there will always be something else that will come into your diary and claim that time away from you. But if you can block out me time in your schedule, and treat it with as much importance as your meetings and social events, then that becomes the time you can use to disconnect, to recharge, to reset and rejuvenate. So that would be the first thing I would share. Second. Well, I, I think, sorry, as I as I interrupt you one more time, but we don't typically like to go there, right? To block out the me time. I think that we often get into this idea that it is, a selfish act to <laughs> concentrate more on ourselves or as a parent and you you may understand this too we feel like we are so in the service of our mm-hmm. children and our families and um, really putting so much of our energy into that mm-hmm. that it, it can be more challenging so I think that is brilliant and it should mm-hmm. be the first step to yeah. block out that me time and and start there. I mean, that's that's almost a vital aspect to this. Mm. You're, you're right. It, it is it's challenging for a lot of us because for so long we we associate being busy and in in constant doing mode as productive and not doing those things as not productive. But 
what we must realize is that you can't fully be productive without slowing down because productivity is less about adding more and more about removing the things in your diary so you can spend your energy on the things that matter with the people you love. Um, mm. And the fact is you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah, when we talk about children and family, if I'm not feeling energized myself, how the hell am I going to be there for my children? Yeah. What am I actually giving my children if I'm exhausted by the time I get to spend time with them? So I remember when we first sent, my wife and I first sent our daughter to nursery, we felt a bit guilty at the beginning. You know, we're, we're sending her to childcare, but we could have her home and spend time with her. But then we realized that actually when she's in childcare, we get to rest and rejuvenate. So when she does come back home, we can give a lot more of ourselves to her. But if she's with us 24-7 and we're just running on empty, we're not really going to be there for her. You, you know, we're going to be showing up in a very different way to when we actually have time away from her during the day. Then when we pick her up, bring her home, cook dinner for her, we can be completely present and she can get the best of us. So I think that it's understanding that we all have an energetic rhythm to the way we work. And you need to have periods, of course, where you, you are able to do deep work, but you also have to have periods where you can, you can rest with intention. There, there's a saying that goes, work hard, play hard. The saying that I prefer is work hard, rest hard. And the mm. harder you work, the more rest you need. Because it is in those moments where your mind is able to connect those dots, to give birth to insight and creativity. If you're always on, you're not giving yourself the space to reflect on life, to, um, to reflect on your progress, to reflect on where you are. And that's necessary if you are to adapt and pivot in the ways that will help you achieve your goals. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love to play along with that a little bit too, because mm. when we talk about some of the greatest minds in histories, uh, Einstein, for, yeah. for example, um, they were really going into that the uh, unconscious, the rejuvenation, taking naps or sleeping for massive amount of hours that we just do not do in this mm -hmm. day and age. I think that there's a lot of people that are are operating on a five-hour mm -hmm. sleep schedule. Let's just say, for example, just to, to mm -hmm. do that mediocre um, time frame, but it's it might not be enough because that is exactly where we we do enter into that creative aspect where we enter into the world of getting answers to life's problems. And, and then we, we show up once in the waking state to be able to play off of that, off of the things that we were, you know, experiencing and learning and working out in the unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. No, it's uh it's why that has to change in terms of our relationship with that before we can put those things in action. Because if you put it into action, but you don't see the value in it, you're not really going to rest with intention. And as you said, some of the greatest breakthroughs in history have not come from people sitting at the desk, staring into books or staring into screens, but from those moments of disconnection. Yeah. You know, even Isaac Newton gravity with the apple falling on his head or Archimedes sitting in the bathtub and Eureka, he has that insight. Those things didn't come from 
working in front of books and screens they came from disconnecting and being with your thoughts uh and, and so the notion of slowing down in order to speed up is exactly that because when you slow down you're able to take all those dots and connect them together to make sense of the things you're learning the things that you are taking in from external sources but if you don't have that time how are you gonna have those breakthroughs yeah my husband always says slow is smooth and smooth is fast <laughs> and it, you know it it took me a while on on my journey as i continue to evolve and, and become wiser throughout mm -hmm. life but uh, you know when we're when we're young and we're we're headstrong and stubborn we well that's me anyway uh, i i just want to go fast and get everything done and and mm -hmm. and kind of just like a bull in a china shop right and yet it, it takes those lessons to really learn to go within, to be quiet, to listen to ourselves. And it, it's definitely a journey. It's easier said than done. But there is this, this truth about that where we're going slower and, and thinking more uh, methodically about mm -hmm. the things that you're doing and being more intentional and being more present. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like we, we can get to being present without it. Mm, definitely, because I think you need that part. The word you said just now, intention, we have to live with intention first. Because when we live with intention, we understand what our body and our mind needs in order to function at its best. Because when you live with intention, you're planning your day the night before. You're planning your week and month around the things that matter. Otherwise, the days and week run you. And you become reactive. And you end up spending most of your time fighting fires rather than actually doing the things that you need to do to move forward. And so for me... When it comes to habits, one of the habits I share the most is actually beginning with the end in mind. Sounds easy, sounds simple, but actually it's the start of living with intention. Mm -hmm. How yeah. will I know that today will have been a productive day? How will I know that this week would have been a great one? How would I know that by the end of this year, this year would have been an extraordinary one? Now, once you have clarity on that destination, you can, you can work backwards. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, what must I do today in order for me to take one step forward towards making that a reality. And if it's just one step, in a year from now, that is 365 steps forward. Just imagine who and where you could be. Yeah, I, I love the begin with the end in mind. And uh, it definitely brings me back to one of my favorite books, which is Seven mm. Habits of Highly Effective People. And understanding definitely where you're going is going to bring us closer to the journey. And I know in, in entre the entrepreneurial world, it, it, you, you have to have that in order to, to really be successful because mm -hmm. everything is on you, right? Mm -hmm. In business, if we, if we, we go into the business realm and you know, nobody else is telling you what you have to do. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to create that and envision that for yourself in order to stay on track, to meet those goals. And uh, gamification is such a powerful mm -hmm. thing too, where we strive to meet something and, and we have that, that little bit of uh, excitement because we met it and we can we can celebrate that mm. so to speak so having uh, an idea of where we're going and those those tiny little steps like you talked about just imagine what it would be like if you 
if you were meeting your goal every single day and then a year has gone by and all the things that you've accomplished. So when when we bring our, our energy spurts into that, how do we identify where our most powerful uh, energized moments are throughout hmm. the day? So the best way to begin is to track your energy. So what I mean by that is divide your day into say early morning, late morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, evening. And at different points of day, just kind of note down a bit of paper on your phone. How are you feeling now? And what do you feel is impacting your level of energy? So say zero to five out of five, what is your level of energy right now? Now, if you do that for a couple of weeks, you will start to see some patterns. What times of day am I experiencing high levels of energy and why? Uh, and what periods of day am I experiencing lower levels of energy and why? Or even particular days of the week. Now, once you've got some of that data, you can start tweaking the way you work. So maybe when I have high levels of energy, I'm going to reserve that time for the work that is more intense. And the moments where I have lower levels of energy, that's where I can look to reset, uh, to disconnect, or do some of the the lower value tasks that need to be done. But if you don't have that awareness, what happens is that you can very well end up doing high value tasks at times where you just have no energy. And that's why you may end up procrastinating. Uh, a task which may only need 10 minutes ends up taking a couple of hours. So you're optimizing the way you operate by leveraging that, that insider data about your energy. So I think that you have also brought a lot of the the, the physical aspect mm. to it where we, we that's the first thing that you address. You realize that that you don't mm. have the physical energy that you need. And I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do or you have found? What are some of your practices that you bring into each day to mm. be able to maintain that on a physical aspect? Sure. So, so looking at physical energy, uh, I, I see it uh, as three pillars. So for my sleep, uh, I look to have consistent sleep. So what it means is that when I get to the weekends, I'm not waking up later. I'm waking up the same time I would if it was a weekday. So I aim for seven to eight hours of sleep minimum each day. And if I need to, I'll take a nap during the day. So for example, if as a parent, I've had a particularly tough night with, with, with our child, then I may need a nap during the day just to catch up on the sleep. The second pillar is all about exercise. And for me, that is a non-negotiable each and every day. Even if it's just walking outside in nature to going to a gym and doing an intense workout, for me, it is a non-negotiable. Because with exercise, it may not always be something you want to do, but once you've done it, it, it is an experience you never regret because of how you feel after you've done some exercise or you've got some fresh air or you've just moved your body. And the third pillar when it comes to physical energy is nutrition. What are you feeding your body? Are you feeding your body with bad fuel? That means that by the time you get to mid afternoon, you're going to have a slump. Or are you feeding your body with energy rich foods, nutrient dense foods that is going to give you the energy you need to show up when it comes to your work? You know what I love about that, Simon, is it, it's just, it's it's simplistic. And mm. it hits the, the main major essential pillars. You have your sleep, which is essential. 
your physical exercise, which is also essential, mm. and your nutrition, which is essential. So you, you're definitely uh, hitting all of these things. And thank you so much for sharing that and, and making it simplified for the audience. I think that it's oftentimes we overwhelm ourselves with all of the things. There's so much out there. And and finding the thing that is the truth that we absolutely need, those essentials, and the things that work for us and how we we play about those in our in our daily world and in our life and with the people that we surround ourselves with. So I find it fascinating for people who like such as yourself, who are traveling the world and speaking on all the stages and being able to mm -hmm. maintain and, and harbor all of the energy that they need in order to do so. That is not an, an easy position when, you know, you have the, the flight here and flight there across the world. And, and we talk about are we really accessing the the sleep that we need? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we have the jet lag and then you're in front of a lot of people and there's a lot of different energies surrounding us. So mm -hmm. are there any other tips or tricks that you have found because you're living in this life now? Yeah. So I think it comes, it comes down to living with intention. So if I know ahead of time that an event is going to happen or I need to travel or I need to, or I need to be away what I do is I plan ahead of time in a way that allows me to stay energized. So to give you a couple of examples, when I published my book in April last year, I knew that in the weeks and months leading into the launch and after the launch, I would probably be doing a lot of interviews or press um, and activities related to the, to, to the PR side of things when it came to raising awareness about my book. So what I did in those months before and after my book launch is I said no to any new clients. I kept my diary as free as possible so I could be responsive to what came in uh, associated with the, with the release of my book. So that meant I had the energy to respond and do all the things I needed to do uh, to get message of my book out to as many people as possible. When it comes to travel, uh, let's say I'm going to the US or Asia and it's a long flight, what I do is I calculate roughly how much sleep I would need uh, so that I will be rested when I get to the other side. And also if it's close to the evening, how much I need to reserve so I have enough ammunition to sleep through the night once I'm there. And I always bring my gym kit. I, I mentioned earlier about it being a non-negotiable. So as best mm -hmm. I can, I will look to stay in hotels where there is an accessible gym. Mm -hmm. If not, I will just bring my, uh, my running gear and I can just go running in the outdoors. Yeah. And when I go on flights, I never drink alcohol on a flight so i drink as much water as i can because that keeps the body hydrated it keeps it mm. energized and i think it's just been sensible uh with the way we approach uh traveling uh events or deadlines knowing what's coming up how can you ensure that you are going to show up with the best energy possible to deliver what you want to what you want to share i i think what you said being sensible and really planning ahead and and understanding what you're getting into prepping and yeah definitely being prepared i bring my running shoes so i can go outside and i can run you know actually get some sunshine and some nature maybe while i'm mm -hmm. traveling and you know the the hotel hopefully they have a gym so i can do that mm -hmm. as well drinking plenty of water on a plane i mean that's just 
Yes, absolutely. Because I think that it it is oftentimes where we go into these social events that there may be alcohol involved. And so really, if you're going to, you, you know, engage in that manner and aspect, yeah. how do we still, uh, you know, prep ourselves in order to show up to be our best selves, given those circumstances? And so you you are around the globe speaking on all the stages saying all the things i would love to know simon what is your most passionate subject what is the the key thing that you love to talk about the absolute most so right now i'm talking a lot about energy because i get invited to talk about the book energize but within that area the one that I really enjoy talking about is our creative energy. Mm. The importance of accessing our creative energy in order to think different, original, and innovative. Because I think that too many businesses are trying to copy other businesses or they're trying to do something uh, or, or follow a particular path. But few actually try to think different and, mm. and, and try to be original in, in, in the way they deliver products or service. Yeah, so ever since ever ever since I launched the book, I wanted to tap into that because I realized that what happens is that when we do things in original ways, the audience that receives that, they then talk about it. They want to share it with their friends and their colleagues. So to give you an example, when I when I published the book, a few weeks before, I partnered with the Connaught Hotel here in London, and they designed a cocktail called Energize. And so for four weeks after publication, if you went to this bar and you ordered the energized cocktail, it would be presented on a signed copy of my book. That's brilliant. <laughs> I was say, that's and, brilliant. Wow. And then a couple of months after the publication of my book, we, we put together one of the world's first book launches in the metaverse. Mm. So you can put your virtual reality headsets on. Uh, our avatars would connect, we would network, you would hear me speak in a virtual auditorium. In, in a few weeks' time, I'm shooting a collaboration with an artist who is going to be putting together an original piece of art called Energize, which is abstract colors inspired by my book, and we're looking to raise funds for charity through, through the auction or sale of it. And then next year, I'm looking at doing an eight-course dining experience about my book. So taking you through the lessons of my book, but with the medium wow. of food. And so this is for me all about creative energy. Yeah. And from that, looking at Simon AI, you know, where people can connect with my AI in the virtual world. And so I think that when you can tap into the ability to think different and do things in very unique and original ways, that's what helps get attention to what you're doing. It gets people excited about what you're putting out into the world. And and I can see that you're excited about it because how could you not be when you are hmm. creating so many different things and really utilizing other people's creative ideas as yeah. well. And so you bounce ideas off of each other and, and you, be, you create these innovative, incredible ideas and techniques. Hmm. 
in order to show up a little bit differently. And we are living in such an incredible age with AI and the, the technology that we have. It, it, it truly seems limitless, right? The the things that we are able to do and start applying, I, I mean, there's there's so much and it's super, super cool. So you've given incredible examples. I don't even know if I need to ask you, what are you doing next? But I'm going <laughs> to, you have, I mean, you've written a, a, a very powerful book that you are are continuing to go out and and work with and you could just probably keep that book and continue to work with that because energy is everything mm. and is there anything what is the next thing for you so some of the things i i have in mind you know first of all it's the ai stuff that i mentioned uh so it, it's the ability for people to be coached or mentored by my ai uh, if they can't afford the human one-to-one, -one. Uh, looking at creating a metaverse campus about my work. So people with headsets can experience it in the virtual world. Uh, and then beyond that, I would love to do a second book and maybe take some of my work onto TV or film. So that's some of the things on, on my radar. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we will see what happens. I'm, I'm not attached to the outcomes. I'm, I'm simply open to everything. Oh, that's beautiful. So Lastly, one other question. Simon, who has inspired you the most? That's, that's a tough one. question because yeah. so many people uh, have inspired me in different ways through, through my career, whether it's with business or public speaking or marketing. Uh, so I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to, if I may, switch the question to who has been the most important person uh, mm. my career because I think that's a lot easier for me to answer which is my partner uh, that, that that's without doubt yeah. because I think that when we think about environment it's easy to forget that who your partner is will be your biggest influence on your environment because they mm. are the person you spend the most time with you wake up with them you go to bed with them you share your hopes your dreams your challenges with them and so when you have the right partner in your team what happens is you have the courage to do a lot more than you would have done before. You have a lot more courage to venture into the unknown, to try things and to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. So my wife has been the most important person in my life. And I think that her support, uh, her encouragement has really helped me to navigate the ups and downs of running a business. Simon, so, you are very inspiring and that message is very important. And much like I touched on before, when our when our partners inspire us to become a better human being in the world, like that's just a powerful uh, combination and relationship. And so that answer was awesome. Loved it. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, your wisdom with all of us. I want to make sure that the audience knows where to find you. And I've had this up here a few times, and it's also in the description below. So anyone tuning in at any point can access that. But for those of you who are listening on a podcast or what have you, Simon's website is www.simonalexanderong.com. That's S-I-M-O-N. A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R-O-N-G.com. Find his book, Energize. It's an incredible book packed full of stories and wisdom and insight and science. And you will not be disappointed by reading his book. I can guarantee that. And so 
I, I want to say again, Simon, it has been wonderful to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? The last thing I would share is that one of the most successful characteristics amongst those who achieve in our world is this bias towards action. The fact that when you make moves towards what you want, what you want makes moves towards you. Mm. So my challenge to you is if there has been one particular insight or lesson that you have taken from this episode, how will you action that in the next 24 hours? Ah, thank you so much, Simon, for sharing your insight and wisdom. Been incredible to have you. We are blessed to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Excited to see all the what's next for you and to continue following you on your journey. So thank you again. Thank you for all of you who are tuning in and supporting the show. Goodbye for now, and we will see you later.